podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The field of being at one with all creation, of being love, the source love energy field, lies within each of us. People call this field enlightenment, nirvana, or bliss. Joanna Derbolovsky calls it the quantum heart field. In this space, life flows like a beautiful river. Possibilities and miracles are everywhere. Sometimes our lives get caught up in dramas and illusions. We become enthralled in our stories and lose track of who we are and why we are here. When you find yourself faced with life's many issues, know that these issues are the indicators that a shift needs to occur. The challenges that arise in life are opportunities to shift into something greater. Whether your problems are spiritual, physical, or emotional, through the quantum heart field, you transcend these issues and allow a shift to occur. While in the field, you ignite higher frequencies and ascend into an advanced dimensional reality. It is Joanna's mission to support those who wish to open their hearts, raise their awareness, let go of attachments, and live life from the heart. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Joanna Derbolovsky. Joanna is a best-selling author of The Transformation Promise and the recently published workbook 28 Days to Love, Joy, and Prosperity. She has helped clients worldwide with life's major changes and transformations. From identifying long-past incidents that can be the source of current major depression or health issues, to dealing with career changes, finding and sustaining fulfilling relationships, to the truly ultimate transformation at the end of life. Joanna, the developer of the Quantum Heart Field Experience, is a recognized metaphysical teacher, spiritual counselor, and has been on the forefront of healing and transformation. In addition to her primary work, she is an ordained minister with the International Metaphysical Ministries, hypnotherapy and matrix energetics practitioner, past life regression and timeline therapist, Reiki master, and life coach. 
Joanna has worked for more than 25 years in the field of metaphysics, has a private practice, conducts seminars in the U.S. and Europe, and teaches at the A.R.E. Edgar Sayce Center in New York City. Here is the interview with Joanna Derbolovsky. In your own words, who is Johanna Dorbolowski? Well, that's an interesting question, and I can probably give you lots of labels as to what I've been, but I would like to say that I am nothing, so anything can express itself. What an interesting answer. Before we talk about the topic in your book, The Transformation Promise, I have a few warm-up questions. What is another word for life? Life is just different kind of roles that we play and things that we experience in order to learn and find our way back to our inner truth. Oh, wow. What would you say is the purpose of life? Well, exactly that, to find who we really are, which is, you know, the source energy, having experiences. Right, right. So that's the main purpose, kind of uh, losing ourselves and then trying to find it? Well, realizing that everything that we experience is really temporary and it's an illusion of some kind. It's not permanent. And once we start realizing that again... You know, everything changes. So it is an, an experience of whatever we call God, the absolute. Well, I'd say, yeah, energy by itself cannot experience itself. So we have, we have this body so we can experience different things. Mm, right, because it's everything. Right. How, how fun, huh? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. How do you define well-being? I think well-being is when you are in your heart and you know that um, everything that you do experience is temporary and um, you live from, from that. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? I, I don't really think it has a great need. I think it uh, offers a lot of different kind of experiences. To a lot of people. So I, I don't see it as needy. I see it as kind of perfect. Yeah, that's a wonderful answer, though. I wonder if everyone can understand uh, your answer. What is the world's greatest need from the perspective of those who are not yet where you are? Well, I think it's sort of a philosophical question. If we believe that everything is source energy, then everything is perfect. This universe is built on duality, so it has to go from light to dark, day to night, warm to cold. That's how it's made up in order to have these experiences. This has to always somewhat come into balance in between. So if you think that you need to help, then at the same time you also create neediness. So if I am a doctor, I would not be a doctor if I didn't have patients. So I would have to have suffering patience in order for me to be a doctor. (laughs) So if you look at everything as perfect and that you don't need to help, you also do not create, you know, the other side of it. Right. Is that possible? How do we bring the relative reality, non-duality? Well, you can only have non-duality if you live in your core or if you are in your core and then 
you know, the world gets sort of a hold of your mind and <laughs> things happen and then you have to remember to go back there. Right. Because essentially we are a non-duality. What is love to you? Love in the, you know, romantic sense is, um, you know, a feeling that most people like to experience. But love in the essence is to just look at it as everything is perfect. And yeah. Wow. Well, I call it unconditional love since everything in the dualistic world is conditioned. So would you say that unconditional love is what we are trying to aim for in this dualistic uh, reality? Well, that is what we actually are. So we're not really aiming for it because we are it already. We have to sort of stop looking and, you know, fighting for our beliefs and... <laughs> which will all get us somewhere else. So we just have to sit back, be quiet, and know that that's who we are. Mm, wow. And um, perhaps the, the better way of saying that is bringing that uh, unconditional love or love who we are into the experiences. Yes, but, you know, you can just have the awareness that that's, you can never be anything else but whatever version of yourself you are at any given moment. So when you are just the best you can be, that's really all you can do. Right, right. So it's that, that deep understanding, deep acceptance of what is, right, exactly the way it is. Do you ever use the word God? Um, yeah, I use the word God, and I have no problems with it for myself, but I find it is very um, abused, <laughs> Yeah. And it has a lot of things attached to it. So I in working with people and it's something different to any everybody. So I like to not use it that much because of the attachment it holds. Right. Right. And the, the beliefs. Right. Um, so let's talk about your work. What would be another perfect title for your book, The Transformation Promise? Well, I searched long and hard. <laughs> it <laughs> had sure. a lot of titles. I can't remember what all they were on the way to writing it, but I named it the transformation promise because it is a promise. Everything will always transform. Nothing will ever stay the same. So if we feel something that is really overwhelming, if we can just know one thing that it's going to change, it's already better. So true. My next question is about healing. What is to be healed and what is your personal experience with healing and healers? Well, healing is when we let go of our attachments and our suffering and we find what's true underneath. The physical body is it's a temporary thing and it has wear and tear just like any other temporary thing we encounter and so there you know it will break down eventually. It's designed like that. You know, of course, it's good to have it well maintained in yes. the process. It's a more pleasant experience, right, Johanna, to have a healthy body. What is your experience with healing and healers? Well, when, you know, I was a lot sick a lot as a kid, and I went to many different kind of healers, and I learned a lot about it. And yes, you know, there's, there's medicine, which is also a form of healing. 
whether it's Eastern or Western, and then there's herbal healing, and then there's spiritual healing, and, you know, psychological and whatever it is. And um, those are all steps that are good to take for having a more pleasant life experience. And we, you know, nobody likes to really be in pain, <laughs> at least nobody, you know. <laughs> right. So, yes, so we go and we look for relief and we find it, um, you know, in whatever whatever areas we search for. So it can it can be in any form. And what I find more mostly is that people close themselves off to just, you know, one kind of medicine or just one kind of healing that they will go to. And they miss a lot every time we restrict ourselves to a narrower point of view. We also restrict the answers coming to us. So I encourage people to really look behind. And the thing is, let's say you go to a doctor and he prescribes a medicine to get you on your road to get better. And you don't take the medicine, it probably nothing will happen. Or when you're done, you're going to have to be back to your own system. It has to be able to maintain it. So if you go to an energy worker or you know a spiritual healer, Usually that is a person that is well-trained in how to use energy. So that energy might make you feel really super good. But unless you can sustain that within your own body, it will fade away again. It's like if you learn something, if you forget it right away, there will be no, <laughs> you'll go back to where you were before. But if you can integrate it and maintain that, then you, you know, you found a teacher that is, guides you to a new level of experiencing. True. To find the answers within and kind of keep finding them. Yeah, I like that method. Is there a difference between transformation and change? Not really. I think it's, you know, a different word to use but things change or things transform when they change they are transforming into something else right talk to me about the quantum heart field well again that's just a word at some point i sort of discovered that you can skip a lot of talking steps if you can get people just for one moment to only be in their heart space and to forget everything else that they're attached to. That's a really powerful moment. And if nothing else, when all their thoughts and everything returns, they have a memory of that as something to strive for. But you can really have it anytime. So, you know, I call that quantum heart field. When you dip into that actual field of being nothing but source energy. Mm. You wrote, everything starts with a thought, a feeling, a dream. Why is it important to dream? Isn't life itself a dream? Yes, but the book's written for the people that, you know, that are on this path. And so you, you have to become aware of your thoughts become your reality. Your dreams become what you actually see. So if you are... It's an empowerment. If you don't like what you see and what you experience, you need to start looking at the beginning of it. So the beginning of it is that thought, that dream, that uh, wanting to experience something. I like the way you said that. People who are searching 
yeah, to find answers uh, for their lives, to get a better understanding what life is about, what they are about, or who they are. Right. I think it's a very good point to start um, awareness. How are dreams different from beliefs? And what would be a true dream? Well, a dream is a dream. And when you dream it, it's a true dream. Um, so it, I'm not really sure how to differentiate between a dream and a true dream. But a dream is a little bit more flexible. A belief system is, uh, is the operating system. That is very rigid. So, you know, you can have a dream and then you can have another dream. And if that dream doesn't fit, you can have another dream. But if you have a belief system, you usually operate by it. Right, right. Is it possible to live without beliefs and attachments? I'm not sure if you can leave, live without um, any attachments for very long because they creep in. <laughs> right. So true. Really fast. But you can, you know, for moments, you can let go of attachments, but they try to find you again. That's so interesting. Do you think that beliefs are more challenging to, uh, to be replaced or removed? Yes. If you look at history, then beliefs are the cause of almost all suffering in the world. So I think they are very strong and they're very in integrated into everybody. And the belief is sort of a way for the ego to express itself. It's saying, I'm right and you're wrong, <laughs> unless you share my belief, in which case you're also right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's basically it. True. So that's your belief system. It, it gives you the power to be right and say what is right. So it goes back to duality. Yeah, that's easy to know when we have a belief, because we'll always try to separate things. Everything's always black and white. Yeah, create this position, this solid position, right? Talk to me about our needs and wants. This is an interesting subject. Well, we have, you know, suffering in the world, which is sort of the pain is a great motivator. <laughs> and so, you know, if everything goes well, we don't really think we need anything, we want anything. And as soon as something doesn't go well, we're like, oh, now I want this, or I need this, or... So they are usually born out of some form of suffering or displeasure. And do we really need any of the things we want? I mean, I can't speak for you, but for myself, probably most of them I don't need. Um, what are the questions that you think we should ask ourselves to try to um, unclog our lives with the things that we don't need? Question yourself. I mean, at all times, question yourself. Do I need this? Do I want this? Does this get me where I want to be? Um, most people want a really big house, at least in California. Maybe not <laughs> New York because it's not. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really hard for people to grasp that, you know, when I say I really don't want that because I don't want to take care of it. That would, you know, it would fill my life. They said, oh, but if you have all the money, you can hire people to do that. Yes, but you have to take care of the people that you hire. So you, the more you have, the more you have to manage and take care of. And um, and it takes up a lot of time to, to maintain a lot of these things that we don't right. really need. Um, yeah, for some reason, 
that word simple, it's connected to peace. Um, I connect those two words, although a lot of times we cannot really simplify everything, like running a company that's we have a staff and like you said, taking care of people. Now it's part of your life. And perhaps that's the experience we need. Yeah, but nobody's forcing you to have a company. In that book, what I'm trying to get to people to understand is that you create this. All the things you complain about, you know, most of them you create. So if you don't want those things, then look at what is important to you or what what makes something important. And is it worth what you pay for it? But that goes back to uh, the idea of transformation change. A lot of times we have these ideas and we want dreams. We wanted to realize them. And then we realize the dream and we have whatever we want. And then we uh, find out that's not, it's giving us a lot of work. And then we want to change. So I guess it goes back to the cycle of transformation change. In your book, you talk a lot about structures and that they are different kinds, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Talk to me about these structures. Well, of course, we're not, you know, a machine with different kind of, uh, <laughs> segregated and taken apart like that. But I did it just for the purpose of the book, of course, you know, we're all of those interwoven together. But we, we have the physical structure, which is the tangible body, house, uh, food, um, it's pretty easy to understand, you know, if we didn't have a skeleton, we couldn't stand up and walk or muscles or any of that. So that's an easy one to recognize. And also, if there's something wrong with the physical structure, we know it pretty fast. And um, there are ways to get that fixed or, you know, live with it or, you know, maybe at the end of life, it's time to leave that structure. But then we have the what I call the uh, mental emotional structure, and that's more of your environment. And again, you know, just for purpose of explaining, that's your friends, your job, your um, social standing and life. And that is harder to, it's not that tangible. So, but we have to also take that into account. Let's say if I have this big house, that, you know, we talked about before, you know, if somebody has a big house, then they have to have a work to support that big house. Or maybe the kids are going to a certain school in a certain area that they don't want to change, but they're unhappy in their job. So now they're miserable all the time to maintain that structure. But when you become aware of the structure, then you can ask yourself, is it worth it? And maybe the answer is yes, and then you suffer to have that. But it would be nice instead of, you know, talking to everybody else and complaining all the time, <laughs> if you're aware of the fact that this is your choice, you want this. And then the spiritual structure is your belief system. And even though you can change your belief system with just one thought, it's the one that's least likely to change because we hold on yes. to our beliefs. Yeah, so you would say that the spiritual structure, that would be the most challenging structure to change. Yeah, and you know that when people grow up, for example, in a certain religion, and now they're an adult and they fall in love with somebody from a different religion, <laughs> that is very challenging because that challenges their core belief system. 
And, you know, of course, then the emotional structures attached to that, their relatives, their church, whatever it is that they're connected with, also feeds into that. Mm, right, because now it's an agreement. And then, you know, if you're, in a, if you're in a relationship and then you have kids, what religion do you raise them in? <laughs> so that, that could be, you know, but that's like the belief system that we all think about, like what religion we believe in. But then there are other belief systems. There could be, you know, dietary belief systems. There could be anything. And they, too, are somewhat rigid until we convince ourselves that it's not or that it needs to be upgraded because <laughs> a new research comes out or so. We hold on to that very strongly. And to just be aware of it. I have no problems with religions or any any belief systems, really. But... I think it is helpful for people to be aware of their own belief systems. Yeah, the limitations, right, Johanna? Well, or just, you know, make a choice that is out of knowing. I know this is what I want to do. I love that because now you're not blaming or complaining anyone because you take responsibility for whatever belief system or whatever your ideas about life are. So we can go back to your question earlier about the healer or the healing um you, there, no healer can heal you. That is a myth that is not possible. All healing is self-healing. You know, if you have a cut and you put some antibiotic ointment on it, if your body doesn't have the ability to heal itself, it's not going to work. So the healing, the actual act of the healing has to come from within on all levels. Wow, that's powerful. You mentioned shifting consciousness, so I'm just wondering if spiritual change in the spiritual structure could change all the other structures. Yeah, if that changes, if your main operating system changes, <laughs> you know, everything else changes. Like if you look at it at a you know company or so, if you change the main operating system, everything else will change. Um, would you say that's the most important uh, structure to change would be the spiritual structure? Well, I don't I don't think you have to change any of them. You just have to be aware of them and then see what you want to do. But it's, in essence, the easiest to change because it takes nothing to change a spiritual structure. If you change a physical structure, you got to move tangible matter. If you change your emotional structure, you have to move your, you know, emotional life around a lot. If you change your spiritual structure, you don't have to do anything but change the way you think and you do things. Mm, how interesting, because now everything's perfect. So there's no need for changing, healing, nothing. You just are, like you mentioned before, you just are where you're supposed to be. This is life happening the way it's happening. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you don't want to suffer, suffer, you have to let go of attachments. <laughs> right, right. Because all suffering is caused by attachments. Mm, right. You talk about flow, the flow of life. Would you say that flow is the balance between these structures when we are in flow with life? When you are in flow, then you are, or I don't even like that term that much, but when you are in your source energy, you are flowing with everything because you're not fighting against it. You're not resisting anything that comes because you everything that comes to you comes to you as 
part of your experience. When you're not in resistance to something, then you don't create this powerful energy that you need to fight against. So it's like if you're a river that just flows down and it doesn't worry about, you know, going around this rock and that rock. <laughs> but now when you build like the Hoover Dam, <laughs> you have a huge, beautiful lake. But if that dam tries to crack, that is it's a, it's a huge uh, physical thing that happens or a few, huge thing that happens. So you, you create by, by building this resistance wall. You may be in a calm, beautiful place for a while, but you are on the verge of a huge, you know, breakdown of energy. And we are always, you know, we're trying to hold on to things and we're trying to build things. But I work a lot with people that are in their last days, months, weeks. And, you know, you're going to have to let it go. None of this is going to go with you, whether it is your your kids, your family, or your belongings. You're going to leave mm, all of that. Right. Because we are dealing with the opposites again, yeah, in the relative reality. And that is something that we don't ever want to think about. But if we would think about it all the time, we would enjoy it more at the moment because we wouldn't spend so much time trying to make sure it's always going to be there. We would just say like, wow, right now, I, I enjoy that. I have I used that in some of my workshops. I've used that example. If you are, you're completely fine as you are, and now all of a sudden you fall in love or you have a child, you were completely fine without that child. But now that you have that child, you worry about, oh, my God, what if that child is taken away from me again? You've forgotten that without the child, life was completely okay. And with the child, life is completely okay. But now we add this attachment that we want this to now always be there. And that's what creates the suffering. Instead of that, we just enjoy them as this being that dropped into our lives. And um, it's very hard to do so because it's easy to get attached. Yeah. And you're a mother. How is it possible to uh, not to attach hard enough where we don't suffer miserably when we lose our children, if we lose them before. I don't know how that's possible. I'm attached to my children, of course. <laughs> but I can see also that, you know, and, and they as they go through their path, of course, mine are adults now, <laughs> as they went through their trying parts of growing up and um, you worry about them. But underlying, even then, I try to remind myself that my worrying is not going to make it any different. So I just have to trust that whatever is going to happen is going to happen and then do something, you know, try to look for them or whatever is needed to be done. But when you when you lose somebody that you love, that's in, incredibly painful. But the pain comes from your attachment. Right, right. And that's the thing, we can't really deplete ourselves, try not to have that experience of attachment because we are afraid to suffer if we lose whatever we're attached uh, to. The experience of life, like we talked earlier, it kind of embraces it all, it's everything. It's embracing everything, all the experiences, even the attachments <laughs> that will cause the suffering. It, it is everything, but... It also is going to end. So if we can get to a point where we can enjoy 
the moment instead of worrying about losing that moment or so again, then we have a much more pleasant experience in it because we are going to, we are going to lose everything. So we can spend our time enjoying the time that we have. You know, sometimes if somebody, let's say somebody knows the moment that they know they're going to die, then they can prepare for it. They can say goodbye. They can finish up things. But a lot of us don't get that opportunity because it happens all of a sudden. But nonetheless, it's still the same. But if we can live every moment like it is our last, then we live every moment full, like in that flow of really enjoying it. That is profound. Uh, it takes deep understanding, um, love, unconditional love, just accepting life. So I like what you're saying about the appreciation of the moment and what we have now. And just, um, yeah, with that in mind, that whatever is happening now, it's temporary, will go, good or bad. Yeah, and, you know, everything, I mean, we try to plan for a future and we, you know, run with all our energy to make things happen. But nobody's ever been in the future. So we're not going to get there. <laughs> but what we can do is now and I, you know, I found that many times in my life, especially when I was young, you know, I was trying to make things happen, and they never worked out, or they worked out differently. Well, whatever I tried to make happen, I can just say, as a fact did not work out. But other things happened while I was, you know, trying to force my life into a certain path or so. So I was lucky enough to see that for me, you know, my spirit or the universe decided that whatever I came up with was not, not going to work. And so I had to just come to that understanding that I don't have to try so hard to make my will create things. I could just you know, be in the flow and then miraculous things happen all of a sudden. You know, things happen because you're allowing them to happen rather than that you spend, you're so busy trying to make things happen that don't work out. Right, right. So true. Not that we shouldn't want, desire and plan all this. It's part of life too, right, Johanna? We should just uh, flow more, do the things we, we want to do, we need to do without that strong attachment to it. Well, if you want to create something and you make things, want to, you know, experience certain things and you work hard for that, that's fine. But keep in mind that all that effort is temporary. Everything that you make happen is temporary. Everything that you create is temporary. This, you know, this, this big, um, lots of energy right now on, you know, create your future and you can have, create this big income and you can create the, you know, $5 million mansion for yourself if you just, you know, think right and do that right. But none of this is of any importance because when you die, you're going to leave it again. And also, you know, not everybody can actually have that because it's not enough space. So it also is not really in the flow with, us as a whole. But yes, if you want to do that, and the more effort you put into it, the more attachment you to it working out you usually have. And so in the end, that, um, you know, will give you yeah. more suffering. Wow, so true. That remind me of a Zen quote, they say, done and forgotten, which is hard to do when you're a mother, when you're a parent. <laughs> 
it's hard to do with everything. And, you know, and yes, I mean, I have certainly lost people that I loved. And I know that that pain is almost unbearable. But it's part of life. It is all life will go there. Do you connect inner peace and joy to source? Yeah, I mean, it's all, everything comes from source, but we get, you know, we get attached and we get lazy and we get, um, <laughs> you know, all those things. And then, you know, then we have discomfort and pain and loss. And that'll remind us that we need to go back to find our core. So they are kind of the motivators. Pain, pain and discomfort is our motivator. Yeah, right. In your book, you talked about new thoughts, attracting new thoughts. I wonder how we can stop old thought patterns from populating our minds. Discipline. <laughs> I think it's the first one that comes to mind. Now, when you, once you be aware of it, once you're aware of it, it's still hard to change. For me, I mean, for me, it's really hard to change my running, rambling thoughts. And, you know, somebody that's really grown up with meditation and quieting the mind probably has an easier time. But I, it was not, it's not easy for me. But a lot of times what I say is like, okay, you know, you can go and run your marathon up there. It's fine. I'm just not paying attention right now. Mm, right. Do you say that uh, with love? Yeah. I mean, you know, what else? It's like, it's like having a, you know, it's like having a screaming toddler. You can like, fight against that. It's not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Or you can just say, okay, go ahead. Have your tantrum. I'm just not going to pay attention to it right now. And my mind has lots of tantrums. It's just... You the terrible twos and high potency. That is cute. Um, I usually say when I have those thoughts coming back, uh, yeah, because I could not find, not yet. I think a lot of them are not coming anymore. They're not part of this here, but this space. But I still have them too. And I usually, when they come, I usually say, you know, I understand. I know, I know. Yeah, like you're talking to a kid. It's interesting. I usually say that and that works because I try to use love, always compassion for my own self. It's interesting. We are just being compassionate to the uh, the I, the constructed idea. Well, it's like if you are, your peace of mind is being the sky and then your thoughts are, you know, all the clouds going by. If you constantly look at the clouds and worry about what's going to happen to them, then that becomes your entire being. But you can just know, well, you know, the sky is behind the clouds. The clouds are just going to pass through the winds, blowing them by. And, you know, that's another image that some people find easy. So, you know, just lay, letting the thoughts just do their thing, have their rainstorm blow by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. How do we do this without being affected with negative, in the case of negative thoughts, not being um, mentally or emotionally affected? Well, what does, what do you define as negative thoughts? Hmm, right. Uh, maybe thoughts of separation of any kind, like when we judge other people, like thoughts that would judge people around us or the situation, whatever it is. Well, I think it all starts when you know what you're doing 
you observe yourself. I think the first step to anything is starting to observe yourself. Get to know yourself and observe yourself. Because when you observe yourself, you become aware of what you're actually doing. I mean, not just, you know, writing these this self-help book and the, the other one that I put out, but um, I, I like to write and I like to read. And sometimes I narrate my own life and I go like, oh, well, today she's feeling really crabby. I wonder what she's going to do next. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like a movie, right? Yeah. Oh, man, this person is really aggravating her. I wonder how she deals with that. Because you are outside of the reactive phase. As soon as you remove yourself out of reaction, you, you're able to respond. And when you're able to respond you can respond from a you know more inner core than if you're just reacting to something oh so that's the key then being aware enough yeah to respond not to react and observe yourself and don't go like ah oh, you're like this horrible person you're having all these thoughts <laughs> i mean that or you know somebody's very negative and then you you somebody will point that out and said oh this person is so negative and everything then they create more energy around and they get nervous about it which will actually amplify them being so depressed and negative but the thing is to say like wow you know okay so i'm really negative and depressed okay you know so what? That's who I am. But maybe I can do things a little bit different now because now you're open. You just sort of acknowledge that it's completely okay to be who you are. And then you say, but, you know, maybe that's not really the making for the most pleasant experiences here. Let me just, you know, see if I can change that character to be different. Mm. Oh, wow. Johanna, I love what you said. Everything's fine. There's no right or wrong. There's not about doing things right all the time or controlling ourselves, but choosing to have a pleasant experience. That's the key. Yeah, being aware enough to choose. Well, at least for yourself, that's good because the universe has plenty of challenges that it'll drop in your lap. I mean, there's no shortage in challenges. So why, why add more to that? Mm. Oh, wow. Now you're talking about something that I often talk about, unnecessary suffering, right? Because there's a lot of necessary suffering already, right? Yeah, I mean, it comes by itself. I mean, we don't have to really help. <laughs> to try. <laughs> we don't have to contribute yeah, to it. <laughs> it just comes. But also, hmm. you know, the teachings that... If you just think, right, there will be no challenges or so, that's not true. The, ch the challenges will come because as long as you are in this duality and you function in this duality, there's going to be light and dark. You cannot live forever in a healthy 20-year-old body <laughs> experience. It's not happening. So the, the whole society that we have now that is so holding on to that you know we want to hold on to all that we think we like that takes a lot of energy so things come things come things go 
Uh, yeah. So we cannot hold on to anything, right? Because this is duality. That's what is. But there is a place where we can create enough space within where there's peace, we call peace, calm, whatever it is, that's kind of embraces everything. And it's wide enough to just let things be exactly the way they are without holding on to anything. Do you think that this is eventually where all of us, one day, we will arrive? Well, I think we're all there already. So there's, it's not something that somebody has been and somebody else hasn't. It's all of our core. We're all there. We just try to distract ourselves and cover it up and make things more dramatic and uh, entertaining. I mean, when you look at it from a writer's point of view, if you have a story without any drama, nobody's going to read it. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> because it's a very short story, then it is just, you know, that piece. It could be said in one word, you know, the source piece. You don't need a long story, but we like the drama. And I, probably I think our biggest attachment is to drama. Right. Wow. So in a way, we attached to uh, unnecessary suffering. Yeah, don't you don't want to, you know, push against yourself either. You, you know, if you had a person that you really loved, and they made a mistake, you would say, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. And, but with ourselves, you know, we're like, Oh, you're this worst person ever. I don't even want to be with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true <laughs> except for we can't do that so but we usually beat ourselves up when we would be kind to anybody else for the same thing but if you get to the awareness that you are that source energy and you become aware of that everything else is that same energy it's just you know you're in a different movie or in a different play you're playing different roles but you're all the same then when you realize that you are everything then you also you can't harm anything else because you are part of everything. But there are a variety of methods. Like I love your method. So many people I talk to, they have different methods and I have learned from them like small things sometimes, like treating my thoughts, the negative ones with kindness and love. That really helps. And that was very subtle the way I heard that from somebody. Just to have that awareness that the only thing that really matters is being the best you can be in any moment. Being that poor, being that love that you want to see in the world. You know, being that, uh, you know, quote Gandhi, being that change that you want to see. Because you, you're never going to be able to change anybody else. But when you are what you want to see everything will change. Absolutely true. So my final questions, uh, whatever comes to mind, what is success to you? Success to me is actually being nothing but an expression of source energy. What is to be strong? Same thing. There is no strength outside of that. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? I think the hardest one for me is to actually be quiet enough to be in my core. Yeah, well, that, that might be the hardest one for all of us. <laughs> um, if you knew you would lose the body soon, would you change anything about your life? 
Não. Não. Do you believe in life after death? Um, yes, I believe in that things will go on and until things will go on and I believe that attachments that we have when we die will manifest itself into the next life. You know, that energy from the attachments will pull together into a new thing to overcome, but I believe that regardless of all these many lifetimes we have to go through to get where we're going the the end of it is when we realize we're mm -hmm. nothing but source right. energy and that's what we become again right right you believe in reincarnation mind continuation you know it'll continue until we get to that final stage of completely realizing that this is all different illusions dreams plays And we are nothing but source energy and we dissolve back into that. So, yes. Is that a knowing or a belief? I think in the question you used the word belief, but it may be a knowing. Well, you know, do, I, do we know? I mean, for myself, I mean, do we know what's going to happen? No. So I have to say, yes, it would fall into the belief systems. But, um, you know, there's no way to actually know. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard from somebody, I think he said something, was a non-dual teacher. Everything in the dream is possible. The idea of reincarnation, of soul, of spirit, of many, having many lives, that's all part of the dream. Yeah, it's it, the dream. I don't think the dream is defined to this body, but eventually you wake up. Mm. Yeah, and that, what a great thing to wake up while you are asleep. <laughs> In the middle of the dream, you just wake up. That is amazing, isn't it? What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Nothing. I know that it'll end. That I know for sure. <laughs> And well, that it's temporary, but I don't know anything else. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Johanna, for your um, presence. Uh, very light, meaningful. Thank you. Very beautiful presence. Thank you. Thank you. It was an honor to be here. Where can we find more information about you, your books, work, services? Um, my books are on Amazon and uh, I have a website, quantumheartfield.com, that has most of the information. <laughs> Thank you so much again. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joanna Derbolovsky, please visit her website, quantumheartfield.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Perry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.